It's religion today, it's ideology today, and our secularist friends also have a faith. Some kind of Disneyland fantasy. I know how this is going to get heard in the secular world. Where the pseudo-Christian masks are off. That's nonsense, ladies and gentlemen. Apologetics isn't just about giving answers to other people's questions. It's also about learning to question other people's answers or even question the question itself. In a Christian worldview. Well, welcome to quantum number 109. Uh, Because of what we're looking at today, I'm not going to bring you any other world news. We're just going to deal with this one subject. And you'll guess what it is when you hear this very famous speech. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. Yeah. I have a dream that one day on the red hills of Georgia, the sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood. I have a dream. Yeah, Martin Luther King, um, just one of the most incredible speeches ever. People are not judged by the color of their skin, but by their character. However, it appears as though Luther King's dream, particularly in America, is turned into a nightmare. And it appears as though we're going into reverse. Good morning, TJ. Another long night of protests here. Like the others, things started relatively peacefully, but then quickly turned violent. Now, despite the curfew, protesters took to the streets and clashing with officers who were trying to clear the area. Authorities say there was some sort of confrontation between demonstrators that turned deadly. A shooting left two dead, another injured. Meanwhile, the family of Jacob Blake... The latest incident that sparked riots and yet more deaths and destruction and abuse and everything else has been the shooting seven times uh, of a black man in Wisconsin in front of his family in his car and the response to that this is his mother Jacob Blake's mother talking about what was needed do Jacob justice on this level and examine your hearts we need healing as i pray for my sons healing physically emotionally and spiritually i also have been praying even before this for the healing of our country healing healing that's what's needed and that's what this podcast is about how do we deal with racism now there's a very simple solution that many people have black lives matter i've seen it so many times in social media i've seen it so many times uh with christians as well saying yeah yeah we support black lives matter football players take the knee politicians take the knee all of us bow to black lives matter to show that we care but here's the problem I don't think Black Lives Matter will bring healing. Why? Well, for a start, they are racist. You don't fight racism with racism. And they are implicitly and explicitly at times racist. If you're white, the very nature of the color of your skin means that you are racist. 
There's a fascinating article illustrating this by Inya Folaren Imam, Iman, um, founder and director of the Equiano Project. And he says this, we are rapidly going backwards. The liberal tradition of anti-racism, embodied by the likes of Frederick Douglass and Martin Luther King, emphasized our common humanity. It argued that the thread that linked every human being together was far stronger than any superficial racial category. It is indeed, and that is what we're all made in the image of God. He didn't put that. It argued that to support or even permit racial discrimination and racial segregation was to violate our shared humanity to reduce the boundless potential of each human to the absurd category of race. Now, he argues we've gone back. I remember at university campaigning against apartheid. Now we are seeing the reintroduction of apartheid and it's usually by white and black progressives who want to have black-only spaces, black classrooms, and a black university. The so-called free black university has raised over £100,000 on its GoFundMe page to have just a university for the black community that will also, by the way, deal with climate change. This is a deeply ideological project that will further create and institutionalize racial divisions within society. So I'm opposed to Black Lives Matter because they, in effect, argue for apartheid, which I've been against all my life. I'm also opposed because they are so petty and so authoritarian and so intimidatory. Let's just, there are so many examples. I'll give you a couple throughout this program. One of the most amazing is Gary Garrels, who he. He is the art museum curator at the San Francisco Museum. He's been there since 1993, regarded as one of the best art curators in the country. He tweeted during a meeting or said during a meeting that he would um, create work from artists of colour, but he also said that the museum would continue to create work from white artists as well. In other words, he wasn't going to discriminate. Hundreds of former employees called for him to be fired, and he resigned and apologised for any offence caused. So here's a man who is effectively fired because he argued against discriminating on the grounds of colour. Or take NASA. This is one of my favourite ones. It's a bit funny. Silly. Uh, they've apologised for racist language and uh, the term black holes is not going to be used. In fact, there's a lot of language that's not going to be used. Yeah. Apparently in the Alien movies, you're going to have to remove them, by the way, as well, because uh, the alien, the, the, the monsters, the aliens tend to be black, don't they? So it's just another stereotype. Yeah. And then this week, um, another victim of cancel culture has been the last night of the proms. Recognize this? Now, I have to admit, I'm not the biggest fan of Land of Hope and Glory, but I do like the proms, and I don't think the proms would be the proms without Land of Hope and Glory and silly people bouncing up and down, waving Union Jacks. 
Um, and, you know, the sentiment's not that bad. Land of hope and glory, mother of the free, how shall we extol thee who are born of thee? Of course it's nationalistic. Name a country that doesn't have nationalistic songs among its national songs. Of course it is. And of course it was hypocritical that it was a song that was sung at a time when Britain was engaging in the slave trade. But I think it's a great theme actually to have now. The BBC producer Cat Lewis disagrees and thinks we should have the vacuous, meaningless and nonsensical Jerusalem. And of course she also wants rid of this one. This was the charter, the charter of the land. Rule Britannia, Britannia rules the waves, Britons never, never, never shall be slaves. It's very stirring. I'm a Scottish nationalist, but, you know, if anything would turn me towards being a British one, it might even be Rule Britannia. Oh, but isn't that terrible, they say, because Britons might have been not, not might not have been slaves, but they enslaved other people. Yeah, that's true. But there's another side to this. And that is that Britain is the only empire in history at the height of its power that at great cost to itself got rid of slavery. And in fact, largely got rid of slavery in the world. And in fact, it was that very Royal Navy. It was because Britain ruled the waves that the Navy could intercept over 1,600 ships, French, Portuguese, Spanish, others, and free 150,000 Africans, sometimes at great cost in terms of lives and certainly at great cost in terms of money. And incidentally, people say, oh, you're a fascist if you support rule Britannia. You're right-wing, extreme right-wing, and so on. I go, oh, give me a break, please. You know, D-Day, how do you think that the troops got to invade Europe? It was through the Royal Navy. They sacrificed so many of their own people to defeat fascism, and you're turning around saying celebrating the Navy is fascism? Historical ignorance and irrationality combined. But that won't stop people. It won't stop children in need. Of course, donating 10 million for BLM. Well, I don't know, why don't children in need just give their money to help children in need? irrespective of the colour of the skin of those children. All right, let's come to Australia. Recognise this? That, of course, is... Aboriginal music, didgeridoo. Um, I am utterly fascinated by Aboriginal culture. It's art, it's music, it's spirituality, it's history. Uh, one of the most disturbing and challenging books I've ever read is John Harris's One Blood. Uh, it 
traumatize me in many ways. Uh, what Western people did to the indigenous people here over a long period of time and some of the treatment, not at the same scale, that still exists is appalling. And the historical or the present day implications of that historical abuse are still felt. So how do we deal with this? Now, first of all, you do not pretend that Australia is the southern US or Harlem or California or the United Kingdom. It's a different situation. And secondly, I was going to ask the question, how do we help indigenous people? And I realized it's the wrong question because I feel personally, certainly as an incomer in this country, that I need indigenous people to help me, to help me understand so much more. But how do we bring justice in this situation? Well, certainly not by adopting woke causes from other parts of the planet. This comes from a very respected activist and lawyer, Noel Pearce, and basically the concern here is that government-funded money, job keeper, job seeker, also money that's being drawn down from superannuation schemes during this pandemic is basically being wasted on grog in remote Indigenous communities. I'll bring you up some graphics here and show you what he said to the Australian newspaper, and it's quite damning in many respects. He says, with a job seeker supplement and super withdrawals, the normal level of grog and gambling has gone through the roof. State and territory governments are harlots to the Australian Hotels Association. The banned drinkers register will do nothing. And this is the big one. It's a fig leaf for a craven unwillingness to stop people from profiteering from misery, violence and hunger. Peter? Meanwhile, John, this is... Now, he's saying things that no white person could say. He's raising concerns over federal government funding um, at the time of the COVID-19 crisis being wasted on alcohol in remote indigenous communities. And it's an uncomfortable fact that the level of child abuse, the level of domestic abuse is far higher in these indigenous communities. And a lot of that is due to alcohol. Alcohol, by the way, was something that Western people introduced to the indigenous communities, along with prostitution. You know, racial justice and helping people is far more than slogans and fist pumps and the madness of woke anti-racism. Let me give you another example. Falling asleep is racist. A professor, uh, Patricia Simon, at Marymount Manhattan College fell asleep during a Zoom meeting. Been there, done that, got the t-shirt. But 2,000 people signed a petition. I'm sorry. I'm laughing. It's, uh, is it funny or is it just pathetic? They signed a petition saying that because she fell asleep during an anti-racist uh, talk, then she's guilty of racism. Okay, let's approach this from another angle. I thought this was really helpful. This is Professor Robert George from Princeton University. He says that he sometimes asks students what their position on slavery would have been at the time of when slavery existed in the southern US and they lived in the south. Would they have been against it? Of course, they all would have been. They all would have been abolitionists. And he says, of course, that's nonsense. They would not have spoken out bravely against slavery. They would have gone along with the system as we go along with the systems today. 
He responds by saying, I will credit their claims if they can show evidence of the following, that in leading their lives today, they've stood up for the rights of unpopular victims of injustice, whose very humanity is denied, and where they have done so knowing, one, that it would make them unpopular with their peers. Two, that they would be loathed and ridiculed by powerful, influential individuals and institutions in our society. Three, that they would be abandoned by many of their friends. Four, that they would be called nasty names. And five, that they would risk being denied valuable professional opportunities as a result of their moral witness. In short, my challenge, and I agree with this by the way, I think it's a challenge we as Christians have to face. My challenge is to show where they have at risk to themselves and their futures stood up for a cause that is unpopular in elite sectors of our culture today. Okay, we'll come back to this, but we need a wee music break. Nobody likes me, everybody hates me, think I'll go eat worms. Big, bad, juicy ones, easy, easy, squeezy ones, see how the wiggle and squirm. Down goes the first one, down goes the second one, oh, how the wiggle and squirm. Up comes the first one, up comes the second one, oh, how the wiggle and squirm. I'm almost tempted to offer a prize to say, why would a song about worms be in a program about racism? Well, uh... Were you not aware that worms are victims of racial oppression? Uh, Isn't it an absolutely extraordinary claim? And yet it's still there. It happened in an online science journal. And what happened was that the editor uh, said, what's the most useless creature on earth? And he said, worms. And people accused him of racism. I mean, they genuinely did. Uh, there were calls for him to be fired. It's not standing with oppressed groups. It hurt the worm's feelings. Yeah, not nearly as much as when I put some of them on a hook to go fishing, which I used to do. Apologies to those of you who are upset at my obvious racism in doing that. Nobody likes me, everybody hates me, think I'll go eat worms. Big, bad, juicy ones, easy, easy, squeezy ones, see how the wiggle and squirm. But this madness is not a joke. You know, white silence is violence. Well, here's some white people not being silent. This has become an infamous video that's been watched by millions of a young woman sitting in a restaurant, having her meal, being accosted by a group largely of white uh, young people doing the Black Lives Matter salute with her fist and demanding that she do it. Now, here's the irony. She's a Black Lives Matter supporter, but she said, I don't want to do this. This is intimidation. I'm not going to do it. And they yell. You should watch the video. It's unbelievable. They yell at her. They abuse her. Uh, Just astounding. And there's all kinds of pressure for you to go along with the crowd. So you're a football player. Or... Let's say England-Pakistan this week. We hear the commentator um, pompously stating they've, of course, have all taken the knee. Why, of course? Taking the knee is, is a sign of supporting Black Lives Matter. I, don't, I wouldn't take the knee. I'm not taking the knee for anyone. Um, and it's funny. White people go crazy about this if you don't do it. Especially if you're black. What do they call you? They call you bounty. Black on the outside, white on the inside. In their racism, 
they accuse you of not really being black enough. Where here's the rugby player Billy Vunipola explaining why he didn't. We were asked if he wanted to take on Neil or not, and from what I saw in terms of that movement was not aligned with what I believe in. You know, they're burning churches and Bibles. I can't support that, even though I am a person of colour. I'm still more a person of, I guess, Jesus. Sadly, the Christian church has also fallen for some of this. I was so disappointed my own denomination, the Free Church uh, magazine, The Record, had the BLM fist on the front cover and an editorial which was good in what it said in talking about racism and complicity and slavery and things from the past, but it was just overtly simplistic. But not nearly as bad as the astonishing public declaration by Tear Fund which could have been written by any woke Marxist, absolutely so little to do with the Bible. Talked about how we're going to have an, or, uh, an organization-wide program of education about racial injustice, to take our workforce on a journey of growth in understanding the effects of racism and how it systematically oppressed people over centuries. Of course, tier fund only mean one kind of racism from one race to another. The work has been led by our diversity and inclusion manager. Am I giving money to charity for them to employ? No doubt a great cost. A diversity and inclusion manager? Not anymore. She's a black woman who consults with a race and ethnicity working group. We, they say, have an unconscious bias training in autumn 2020, which will be compulsory for all staff on an annual basis. No, 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 no. It's just so, so wrong. It's straight out of White Fragility, which is a book maybe I'll review in the future, but so depressing. There's a better Christian response from, uh, I'll put a link to the video of Tim Keller and Brian Stevenson. Absolutely superb. I wrote an article for Premier Christianity in, in which I suggested uh, 10 Christian responses to racism. Let me list them. You can see the detail. And if you want, you can follow the abuse that I received. Number one, we should not accept the philosophies of this world, whether far right or BLM or whatever. Number two, we should not be simplistic exchanging meme for meme. Number three, we should listen to what God says in his word. Number four, we should not boast about our own right onness. Number five, we should avoid hypocrisy. Number six, let's listen to people from many different backgrounds. Number seven, we should not endorse or practice violence, either implicitly or explicitly. Number eight, we should seek justice today. Number nine, we should be realistic. And number 10, we should pray. Which brings me back to Jacob Blake's mother. As I pray for my son's healing, physically, emotionally, and spiritually, I also have been praying, even before this, for the healing of our country. God has placed each and every one of the, us in this country because he wanted us to be here. Clearly you can see by now that I have beautiful brown skin, but take a look at your hand and whatever shade it is, it is beautiful as well. 
Amen. Yes. How dare we hate what we are? We are humans. God did not make one type of tree or flower or fish or horse or grass or rock. How dare you ask him to make one type of human that looks just like you? I'm not talking to just Caucasian people. I am talking to everyone. White, black, Japanese, Chinese, red, brown. No one is superior to the other. The only supreme being is God himself. Please, let's begin to pray for healing for our nation. We are the United States. Have we been united? Do you understand what's gonna happen when we fall because a house that is against each other cannot stand? That's what she said. God has placed each and every one of us in this country because he wanted us to be there, echoing Acts 17. Clearly you can see I have beautiful brown skin. Take a look at your hand. Whatever shade it is, it is beautiful as well. Yeah, that's right. We're all people of colour. I'm not talking to Caucasian people. I'm talking to everyone. No one is superior to the other. The only supreme being is God himself. Well, amen, sister. And I wish people would listen to you. She then went on to pray for the police officers who had shot her son. That's the answer to racism. Not Black Lives Matter. Not virtue signalling. Not simplistic solutions but a renewed humanity that comes through renewed people, through Jesus Christ. Oh, freedom. I'm going to leave you with the wonderful Ruth Naomi Floyd. Um, I absolutely adore Ruth, uh, African-American jazz singer. She's singing a song here, uh, Oh Freedom, that's about Juneteenth. Juneteenth is about when the Texas slaves were set free two and a half years after the end of the American Civil War. Sung with pesos. It's just a lot of so powerful music came out of that painful and unjust and wrong time and the injustices that have gone on since then and and continue to be around thank you for listening it's a painful and difficult subject Um, please feel free to let me know what you think feel free to join us next week Uh, not quite sure what the subject will be feel free to give me any ideas any feedback to support us on the podbean fundraiser And meanwhile, I just pray that whoever you are, that you would know the blessing of the Lord and the unity of the human race brought about through his son, Jesus Christ, who died for the world. God bless you.
I still believe that one day mankind will bow before the altars of God and be crowned triumphant over war and bloodshed and nonviolent redemptive goodwill proclaim the rule of the land and the lion and the lamb shall lie down together and every man shall sit under his own vine and fig tree and none shall be afraid. I still believe that we shall overcome. <laughs>